What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. to the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitt, and I'm joined once again for the second time this week by Mike Plank. How are you doing tonight, Mike? Well, Andy, I'm doing okay. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. So uh, I, I, I hear you're doing a little bit of traveling, uh, but obviously we get to, uh, to to squeeze in a little bit of uh, Jayhawk talk because that's really the most important uh, thing, right? Yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> on the road, so uh, sitting in the car. Let's see, I think we're working on our 10th hour of driving today, heading up to Michigan, so, uh, uh, yeah, so if you lose me, you know why. Yep, yep, we'll, we'll manage, I think, but, so, what, what I want to talk about first, um, you know, Kansas volleyball last night, actually, uh, beat, beat Kansas State in four sets, um, I, I know that you were there, uh, we, we got your, your nice video up on the Rock Chalk Talk Facebook page, showing the match point, um, you know, what what did you like take away from that match? I, I know that they played that without you know their superstar Madison Rigdon. Um, was there like a, was was there a notable a noticeable difference in how they set things up or how they were battling? Um, you know, I, I guess I'm just kind of curious because I, I I didn't actually get a chance to watch them without Madison. Uh, well, actually, before I get to that question for you, Andy, I want to uh, I just want to mention um, and I actually got this on video too, um, but I'm obviously not going to post it or share it or anything, but um, on match point, KU's up 24-22 in the fourth set. On match point, a K-State player went up for an attack, and when she came down, uh, she just crumpled onto the floor, and by, you know, reviewing the, the play on my recording, uh, she had to have just shredded her knee when she came down. Ooh, yeah. And uh, they 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 stopped they stopped the point midway through the point and and you know took care of her and got her off the court and then obviously replayed that match point and KU ended up winning but I just kind of wanted to give her uh, just just a little bit of a shout out she I, I can't for the life of me think of her name it was number eighteen for K State I'm pretty sure she's a senior um, which means her career is probably done or at least her college career is done. But um, I just wanted to give her a shout-out. She played a heck of a game last night. She was one of K-State's better players, and uh, she played all around the floor. She played back row, front row, and uh, she's a really good player. And it was, it was really fun watching her play, even though she was playing against us and having a great game doing it. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, just kind of, I guess, keep her in mind as you're, you know, saying your prayers tonight or whatever. Cause that, what, what a terrible way to end your your college career. Yeah, I actually didn't get a chance to watch it, but I had heard about that. That was actually going to be my next question. I was asking about that. Um, yeah. Does she have red yeah. hair? Yeah. Okay, yeah. then, yeah, I, I am looking at their roster right now. It looks like it was Brina Vogel. Um, okay, I, I, I can't, Yeah, I can't tell what – this doesn't actually have whether she's a senior or not. But, yeah, definitely nothing you ever want to see. You don't ever want to see, you know, a, a, an opponent go out of the game due to an injury. Um, so, yeah, it's a really – 
really an unfortunate news for them and hopefully she'll be all right and um you know recover quickly and be able to get back to whatever it is that she has planned for after the season uh it does it didn't sound like from like she would be able to make it back this season if it's as bad as everyone thinks it is so yeah um, but yeah uh, but yeah as for the rest of the match I, I mean the first set was definitely very rough um i don't know Katie's already played one match without Rigdon. They went down and beat TCU in four sets, and I didn't get to watch that one. That was on the road. Um, right. but I didn't get to watch any of that action, so I don't know how well they played. I know TCU's not very good. But then again, neither is K-State. K-State's 2-10 and 10 in conference. Uh, I mean, they're losing to teams like Oklahoma, you know, Baylor and whatever. I, I think K-State's one of those teams that plays to its competition. Uh, like I know they took Texas to five sets earlier this week. Right. Um, but they but they've been swept by you know other not very good teams, so it's a very weird thing. And then you get the whole rivalry thing going on, and who knows what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, KU definitely looked lost in that first set. set. They had trouble finding their offense without Rigby. I think they really missed her. Uh, I definitely think she's one of their best players. Uh, and you know the the all conference nods and all that stuff bear that out as well. But uh, we don't know what's wrong with her. You know, the coach hasn't hasn't said, uh, you know, just writing privacy concerns, and, and that's fine. But uh, hopefully she can get back to it. Yeah, from everything I heard, it sounds like it's, it's kind of one of those, um, you know, just recurring, like, nagging injuries that wouldn't necessarily stop her from playing if she absolutely needed to. Um, yeah. But it's probably better to let her rest if they can. I mean, I, I'm interested to see – because obviously they have, you know, they have Baylor coming up this weekend and then Texas the middle of next week. So I'm wondering yeah. if, you know, TCU and K-State was seen as kind of a way to, to to get her some rest to make sure she's ready for these big games coming up. Uh, because they, they definitely are going to need her, I think, against, against Texas. Um, and it would be really nice to have her against Baylor, too. I mean, if, if, if they don't have her in those, like, I could see her not, them not being able to pull those matches out, which – wouldn't you know necessarily be a horrible thing uh it would obviously kill their their chance of repeating as big 12 champions um but you know and, and it may end up hurting the, the ncaa seating a little bit but it's not like you know losing to a baylor and or a texas is going to keep them from making the tournament at all so um they obviously want to try to get as many of those wins as possible um just so that they can go ahead and and get a high seed and potentially host um but you know they're not going to get a, a top four seed at this point so you know as long as they get one of those national seeds and get a host of a regional pod and i think they'll be all right all right well we'll go ahead and move on from volleyball um obviously you know like i said they do have two big matches coming up and we'll um probably jump into that just a little bit in in the weekend preview but uh next i wanted to go ahead and move to uh the basketball team um, for those of you that weren't able to watch it, Kansas did not have a very good performance in their final exhibition game against Fort Hay State. They did end up winning 86 to 57, pulling away in the second half, um, but they were actually late in the first half behind Fort Hay State and had to put together a little mini run to be able to lead by, I believe it was about five at the half. Um, and then from there in the second half, they, you know, they, they had it close for a little bit and then, put together a big run to, to take control of the game. But um, Coach, Coach Self was definitely not happy with the performance that they had. Uh, he had a lot of big quotes um, kind of calling out a lot of guys. And, man, I think it's more than I've ever seen him do at the beginning of a year. Um, but before we get into that, I just wanted to, to ask real quick, did you get a chance to watch the game? And if so, what kind of impressions did you take away from that exhibition? Um, I did not watch the Fort Hayes game. What was I – doing what night was that <laughs> was that tuesday yeah yeah that was tuesday uh yeah i didn't watch that game i don't even remember what i was doing on tuesday yeah I, I know i was halfway paying attention because i was editing the last episode of the podcast trying to get it for the yeah. evening I, I did track it on twitter and i kept seeing you know the updates from duel and tate and right. you know they having lead late in the first half and you know only down five and then they cut it to three in the second half early on and you're just like I don't know what was going on. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was. I, I'm sure it was they were playing in front of, you know, a dead crowd and a D2 school, and they just weren't too interested in, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean. defense, probably. 
I don't think it's one of those where you have to like be concerned about the team and you know what they're going to be able to do. I definitely think that there is, um, you know, we we can definitely say that with only eight people in the rotation right now, it's probably going to, you know we're going to see some of these performances where the guys just are a little sluggish. They may be saving some some energy for end of games or for important games that are coming up. Not that I really ever want a team to, you know, take opponents lightly and give opponents a chance when they don't need to. But, you know, only having eight guys until the end of this semester, um, you know, they got some really big games coming up really quick. And so, you know, to, to kind of hold back a little bit, especially since this game doesn't actually count for the record, um, I don't know that I'm necessarily too upset. But what, what really kind of struck me is, you know, uh, Bill Self called out at least four different players um, and I'm trying to get the full list. I know he called out Preston specifically, you know, talking about how he didn't even post up. It, he didn't think, um, you know, and, and a few other things. And then while he did give some, some good, you know, some good thoughts about them, um, you know, he, he definitely was criticizing a lot of guys openly. I, I know he likes to get into guys, but usually he, he does that in practice, um, you know, not, not publicly. Um, I can only ever remember, you know, him either calling out a team collectively or calling out maybe one or two guys um, at a time, you know, to try to, you know, stay publicly that he needs something more from them. Um, I, I'm not sure if this is kind of just uh, he's got so many problems that he has, he wants to call them out publicly to get him to do something real quick. And there's really something we should be worried about, or if it's more of a, um, you know, there was just a, or uh, I mean, I, I don't really know what to attribute to this this difference too, but usually he doesn't like to call his guys out publicly unless there's a real specific need for it. Any thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I haven't seen the quotes yet. So again, I'm not going to be much help on this one. Uh, I have seen a, I I have seen a couple of, uh, you know, other articles earlier in the year about Bill Self wanting to get more out of Philly Preston in terms of, uh, maybe not necessarily overall effort, but effort defensively. I mean, I think he made, didn't he make like 11 out of 12 baskets in exhibition play or something like that? Like his offense isn't the question. It's his, it's his, it's his desire, I guess, on defense that, that he's wanting to get more out of him from. Yeah, and I think Preston is kind of a, an interesting case. because he, He's obviously going to be a really important piece of this team, um, partly just because, you know, of the lack of depth we have down low. Um, but I, I don't think I've – really ever seen a player who has such a differing opinion of his game uh, as compared to what, you know, self thinks. There was actually a quote here. Um, you know, he was talking about, well, he, he, he being Bill Self here, called out Preston uh, for his post play. And Preston, you know, admitted that, yeah, in the first half, he definitely didn't, he didn't do what he needed to do. But then he goes, you know, I, I had a better second half. I came out with a different mentality and self follow up to that was, Basically, I didn't notice there was much of a difference at all. Um, you know, usually when, when self is criticizing guys openly in the public, they're, they're real smart about, you know, saying, yeah, I definitely need to work on it. I'm going to work with coach and we're going to get it figured out. Um, you know, I, I like the fact that Preston has confidence in himself, but it, it almost sounds like there's a disconnect that he's either not, not understanding what self was trying to get him to do. Um, or he's just, you know, thinking that he's playing better than, than self is thinking. And, um, you know, we've, we've had that issue in the past with some guys. Um, Brandon Green is like the most, the most recent example I can think of where, you know, they, they didn't really kind of see the situation the same way the coach did, and, and they had some problems staying on the floor. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case with Preston this year. We really do need him. I actually said in an earlier podcast, I think he's kind of our, our X factor for the year. If he's, if he's forcing himself to be out on the floor for, you know, 15 or 20 or plus minutes, then – uh, I think this this team has a really really good year just because he can bring that kind of spark that the, I think that they need. So yeah, so yeah, self self uh, called out four different players. I know for a fact that two of them were Svi uh, and then uh, Preston. Um, there were, there was a, a couple other players, and I, I'm I'm having trouble pulling up the information right now. But um, yeah, so you know he definitely was not happy with about half of the rotation, um, and hopefully. It's a case where they learn the, the, the lesson real quick, and then we can go ahead and move on. Um, but, yeah, so we'll go ahead and jump to the next, the, the next topic here, which actually has to do with recruiting and may actually help solve some of those issues that we've been talking about. 
Um, the news broke today that uh, Silvio D'Souza, the one, one of the big men recruits that has, I believe, already signed a, a, a letter of intent um, and is planning on being on campus, uh, you know, next year, is actually looking to try to get qualified so that he can join the team in December for the second semester. Now, I didn't even realize that this was something that was possible um, for basketball. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I've I've heard of guys joining, you know, for the second semester for football, and they basically just get to you know, jump into practice uh, and go from there. But, I mean, I, I guess I, I can understand if he's able to get get here um, that that's a possibility. I guess really the question that I have, though, for you, um, I kind of like your thoughts on even if he gets here, you know, the fact that he hasn't had any kind of practice time with the team, are you confident at all or, or even hopeful that he could actually break the rotation? Um, right. You know, that's your – I mean, that's your primary concern is how effective would he be? Like, he he wouldn't have any you know, any practice time. You already talked about that. He wouldn't have any. Uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, rapport. You know, time with his teammate, like you know, team building and rapport. Yeah, he wouldn't have any rapport with his teammates. Uh, I mean, it's, they wouldn't have any field for when they're on the court together. Like, I just. I, I just think that would be a real hard – it would be real hard for a – basically a high school senior to come in and uh, into a conference play and make an impact. I mean, he'd have to be a really special player. And I, I think you almost need the development time of the non-conference games against, you know, the Tennessee States of the world. Um, to be able to be effective. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But, you know, Joel Embiid, he really blossomed after, you know, during conference play, after playing in some of those non-conference games. And, yeah, I mean, is, is D'Souza going to be as good as Joel Embiid? Like, that's that's a pretty high standard. So, I, I mean, that's, that's the most glaring question, I think, is, is, is it worth a year of eligibility, uh, you know, to – to risk not making an impact, I guess. Right, and that's really what it comes down to is, I mean, because he still only gets the four, the four years, so the eight semesters. So, you know, if he comes, I'm not sure how much of an impact he's going to make. Obviously, our bench is thin, and, and you know, I mean, he, I'm sure he would get some sort of playing time. He's obviously talented enough for there to be that kind of consideration. But I, I don't see how he jumps ahead of even a guy like Mitch Lightfoot. Um, who probably, you know, isn't going to get a huge amount of time this year himself. Um, so essentially, yeah, you're burning, you're burning an entire semester and, and an important semester at that point, at, at that rate, just to get him on campus early. Um, it almost makes more sense. You know, th- this is the kind of case where I don't necessarily want the guy coming early. Um, I think, and I think basketball is kind of one of the unique sports in that because if you come early, you know, it's not like you're going to be able to get full advantage of that semester uh, that, that he's using because, yeah, he doesn't have the rapport with any of the teammates. Um, you know, he's going to have a hard time. He's going to have to get up to speed with the college game and get up to speed with everything that Self is trying to do. He doesn't have that entire summer and the first semester to really get acclimated to all of that. And so I think it's just going to be a little too much for him uh, to be able to go ahead and do. I'd be interested to see if there's a way to get him on campus, though, without actually using that eligibility. So maybe you get him on campus in December and he can start practicing with the team and kind of work, you know, work on strength training and things like that. And essentially this first semester becomes a, a red shirt semester or something like that. Um, you know, there, I think there would be a lot of value. I just, I don't know, even if he comes early, if I want to really see him on the court at all, because we're not going to get nearly as much from him. You know, I think it'd be kind of like a, um, you know, just like what we saw from a guy like Perry Ellis or, or Cole Aldrich, while they were able to make, a very limited impact as freshmen. Um, you know, if, if we had said, well, you've got to trade for that freshman year and you're going to lose a really productive year, you know, at the end of your career. Um, yeah, I wouldn't make that trade. We're not that hard up for guys this year. We showed last year that we can still have a really good year with a, with a small bench, um, you know, and kind of rotating guys in. And we already have, you know, by the time he can get there, we're already going to have a ninth player in Sam Cunliffe who's available at that point. Um, so, you know, again, we're already going to kind of be getting some reinforcements. It's not going to be in the same position, but we're at least going to be able to spread out some of the minutes more and give some guys some rest. So I'm not, I'm not really concerned about 
you know, trying to get him because we really need him this year. I'd rather just have him the full complement next year. Um, so like I said, I, I would be really interested in trying to get him here to get him acclimated, but kind of treat it as a redshirt semester so that we don't have to burn any of his eligibility. Yeah, well, that all makes sense to me. I, I got no problems with that. Yeah, so um, the, the signing, the early signing period for college basketball has already started. Um, and, and now that I'm actually thinking about it, I don't, I haven't actually seen where he has officially signed, uh, that being Silvio D'Souza. Uh, I'm trying to look for, let me see. I'm actually trying to look for the announcements right now. Because I know that there were two other, there, there were two other guys that were looking to potentially sign as well. Um, and so well, there was Dodson that he was going to sometime this week, and who was the other one? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to pull up right now. Give me just a second here. So bad. We don't know our basketball recruits. Well, it's not that. It's that we don't know who's planning on signing early because there are two different, you know, because there's guys like Zion Williamson who potentially could. He's still, you know, being heavily recruited. He's not. He's obviously not uh, committed yet. But there is a chance he could decide to go ahead and sign early. So, you know, potentially we could see him um, at some point here. But let me see. I'm trying to see who the – there was actually an article that was floating around that had speculation about who exactly was going to go ahead and, and sign early. So, so yeah, so uh, Kansas, you know, had three different guys that were expected to sign here during this early signing period. Silvio D'Souza actually did make it official uh, on Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Um, and we went ahead and signed, so that would have been uh, yesterday from when we're recording this. Um, the other two guys, it's uh, Devin Dotson and then uh, David McCormick, are both scheduled to sign. Uh, they have signing ceremonies that are, that are scheduled for Saturday, and they are both um, you know, heavy, heavy Kansas commits. So there's not any concern that they're signing for, for someone else, obviously. So, you know, end of this week. So, so by the time the football game is over, after we get killed by Texas, uh, we should have three new guys officially signed for uh, Kansas basketball. And then, you know, we can, at that point, once they're officially signed, then we can start to hear what self has to say about them because um, you've actually allowed to talk to the, talk about them once they're officially signed a, a national letter of intent. So um, I'll be interested to see who actually will, uh, you know, ask him about that uh, at his next press conference. Um, he won't be able to say anything after the game, after the, uh, the, the game on Friday. Uh, about anyone except for D'Souza. But, um, so, yeah, I'll be real interested to see, you know, who, who asks the first question about them and what he actually has to say about these guys uh, because it's going to be really important for his, his recruiting class for next year to be real big and actually perform well. I mean, I think we've, we've talked about this a couple times in the past. That team next year is going to be stacked with a lot of talent, um, even if we lose most of the guys that are contributing this year. So it'll be really interesting to see how all these guys work out. And, obviously, you know, KU is still in the running for some other big guys like Zion Williamson um, and a few other guys there. I believe they have two more scholarships that are expected to be available for them to find people. So uh, we could still see, you know, a lot added to this class at this point. So. All right, to, uh, to keep going with the recruiting angle, um, you know, you actually posted an article recently about, uh, about football recruiting. Um, and, you know, new this year that we've talked about before, there is – uh, there is a, a early signing period for college football that is uh, runs from December 20th to December 22nd this year. And so there are a few guys that we're expecting uh, for Kansas football to go ahead and sign. Um, Anthony Puka Williams, uh, he actually tweeted that he would be signing on the first day on December 20th. And then uh, later on Tuesday, uh, cornerback Corion Harris, uh, he's the second highest rated recruit of KU's class, said that he would also be signing that day. Um, the one guy we're not sure on at this point is uh, wide receiver Devonta Jason, uh, who, depending on which recruiting service you look at, is either a four-star or a five-star. Um, you know, he's, a, he's expected by everyone. He still says he did a strong KU commit, commit, but he has not indicated if he'll be signing during that early signing period. I'm really hoping that he does. Um, because we really need to lock down as much of this recruiting class as possible, <laughs> um, as quickly as possible. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't think 
we're going to have any better results on the field. So, you know, if we can keep his strong commitment after, um, you know, the debacle that is probably going to be Texas and then Oklahoma and then Oklahoma State, then maybe there is some hope going into next year that, that something will happen because we'll actually still be getting, you know, a lot of the big recruits that we were thinking that we were going to get. So um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that, on that early recruiting period and, and, like, who's expected to sign? Are you expecting all three of them to actually go ahead and, and sign? And, and, or do you think that uh, Jason's going to wait and, until the normal signing period? Well, I think the, the two, Williams and, and Harris, I think they're definitely going to sign with somebody on the 20th. Uh, but I, you know, maybe it's just me personally. I wouldn't be surprised if they signed with LSU or somebody else. Like, I yeah. can totally yeah. see that. I signed seriously. I can totally see that happening because you know, hello, like, uh, yeah. You know, I didn't even that, think about that, that as a possibility. The, the, the ship that is Kansas football isn't sinking. It's already at the bottom of the ocean. But <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it's and I mean I can also but on on the flip side and I was talking about this earlier today, um, but on the flip side, you know you can also connect the dots as to why guys like this would want to come to KU. Like, I mean, yeah, they could go to LSU and sit on the bench for two years and win a whole bunch of games, or they can come to KU and play right away. So it just kind of depends on, um, you know, and they're, and they're all the same high school. I think they're all the same high school. Like, Williams might be a different high school. I can't remember. But there's at least a couple of them from Landry Walker, which is Mike Lee's alma mater. Um, and so they're already personal friends with Mike Lee. Their former coach was Tony Hall. So, like, there's connections there. And you can connect the dots and, and see why they would want to come here still. Um, but until they actually sign on the dotted line, like, I'm, just, I'm not going to get my hopes up. Yeah, and, you know, the one thing that uh... – I hadn't even thought of is, you know, that maybe he, they will sign um, with a different team because, you know, even though they are hard to commit, they definitely, uh, you know, I'm looking through their tweets now and nothing that they say says 100% for sure that they will be signing with KU. Right. It doesn't it say I'll sign with, with someone. It says I will sign on the – yeah, it doesn't say with who. Um, but with Harrison Williams, you look at those – you look at their Twitter feeds and it's all KU stuff and – like on their Twitter bio, it's KU commit and, you know, hashtag movie animals or whatever. Uh, but then you go and look at uh, Devontae Jason's and he, he retweets all kinds of stuff. He retweets KU stuff. He retweets LSU stuff. He retweets all kinds of different stuff. So he's, it's a harder to get a read on which way he's going. So who, who knows at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jason's the guy, Jason, or, Devonta Jason, I think, is the guy that is most most likely to stick to it, just with all the, everything he's been putting out there. And, you know, I was actually trying to look at some of these, because sometimes you can get a read on what they're doing by how they react to the people reacting, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, you know, and I, and I do want to... Go ahead. I, I do want to put the disclaimer out there, like, you know, I, I don't follow these guys on Twitter, and I'm not going to judge you if you do, but I definitely don't tweet at them, right. and I am going to judge you if you do that. Like that's like a recruit's not going to pick your school because you send him a tweet. Like, I mean, right. you know, come on, let's, let's be grown-ups here. Um, but I, I saw somebody else retweet it, and and uh, you know, it, it inspired me to go look at their Twitter profiles and their timelines to see what they were tweeting, and that's kind of how I came across it and where I came up with the idea for the post. So that's that's kind of how that all. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, and, and it's one of those things, too. I mean, I, I typically what I'll do is when a guy commits to KU online, on, on Twitter, I'll probably go ahead and follow him just to kind of see, you know, what he's saying, kind of get a, a feel for the guys. But I don't, I don't ever say anything to them. You know, I don't really do any of that. I, I just kind of like to get a feel for the different recruits that we have. And, um, you know, because, I mean, it's nice to see the personality sometimes. Um, but yeah, you know, grown men uh, kind of poking around in uh, call or in in high school recruits timelines and, and you know talking talking to them and a bunch of that stuff can get a little creepy really quickly. Um, yeah, no, but, not you know, okay. I don't think there's necessarily wrong with you know, any, anything wrong with taking a look at what they're what they're throwing out there, um, just to kind of see you know what what you can get from that and you can kind of see how maybe potentially some of these guys might fit. 
um, or who they're really tight with or things like that. So I, I don't necessarily have any problem with someone who wants to go look at that. But, yeah, as long as they don't try to insert themselves into the into the timeline or, you know, tweeting at them or anything. Um, you know, the one thing I will notice, and, and like you said, all these guys actually have KU in their, you know, in their profile uh, somewhere. Right. And so that, that definitely lends itself to the thought that they probably will be signing with KU on the 20th, which will be definitely a good thing to see. Um, you know, and, and, and actually there's, there's some other things you can do. Like, you know, when they did that, there was a guy, there were some guys that, um, you know, tweeted like, great, great to see you in the crimson and blue or rock chalk or things like that. And, and they actually went and liked every single one of those. So that's also a good sign that they're, you know, locked in. Um, Devonte Jason, one, one guy was like, you know, our LSU fans going to have a good Christmas and there's like nothing from him. So, Again, no no definitive proof, but there are some indications that we are probably likely to hold on to these guys um, and actually get them to go ahead and sign. And I think that really is the only thing um, at this point that that is, you know, giving giving me pause in terms of getting rid of Beatty at this point. I mean, I, obviously we've talked about all the failings um, on the field and you know with running the program and and things like that, but. You know, one one of the big things we've always talked about is the recruiting, and as long as he can bring in recruits, uh, there's still a, a sliver of hope that they can find somebody that can actually do something with their recruits. So, um, you know, I think that's really the only thing that kind of saves him at this point to potentially give him another year is if he's able to pull off getting this recruiting class and filling it back out with, with decent players. So um, it's definitely something to kind of watch, uh, you know, especially for those that, that want to see Beatty stay for whatever reason, um, or if you really want them to leave, you know, in, in, in some ways you're probably not going to be too upset if some of these recruits don't come. Um, you know, I, I hate to say it because I love to see talented guys coming to KU, and I actually want everybody here that wants to be here and wants to help contribute to this university. Um, but, you know, it also means that we have to kind of evaluate who's actually going to be able to, to help us out, um, whether it's coaching staff or players or, or anything else. Uh, you know, I also don't want these these guys to get into a situation where an obviously talented, you know, high school player uh, comes here and comes to a coaching staff that has no clue how to actually utilize. Um, right. So, you know, I won't blame any of these guys if they decide to go somewhere else, just given what we've been able to put on the field and what we've been right. able to show from our coaching staff. But I really do hope we get a good recruiting class so that we can hopefully find a way to get this turned around sooner rather than later. So. All right. Somehow we got to talking about football again, um, like the actual current football team. So let's just go ahead and, uh, and extend that out. We obviously have a, a pretty – I would say it's probably a pretty big game coming up this weekend. Not that I'm expecting us to really be competitive in it, but big only in that it's the only Big 12 team that we've beat in recent memory, um, you know, beating the uh, – upsetting them last year. The, the, the Texas Longhorns, even though it's a new coach, uh, you know, and a lot of the, the major – seniors that were playing last year are no longer at the school. The guys that are still there from the previous year definitely are going to want revenge, and that team is going to be fired up when we go to visit them on Saturday. Uh, I'm, actually, I'm actually scheduled here. Uh, we are recording this Thursday night. I'm actually scheduled to jump on with a, uh, a, a Longhorn uh, radio show that's down in San Antonio late, later tonight. So, um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the game, and I'm not expecting you really to say anything that's going to be too um, – too good to think about as a KU fan, but um, what are your thoughts going into this game? Is there, I mean, are you really expecting anything at all? Do you think KU is even going to be able to score? Um, and I mean, what, what, what would you consider to be a good day down in Texas, even though, you know, there's no way we, we expect to win, but what would you not be completely embarrassed by? If they keep it within 50, that's probably a good day. 50? <laughs> yeah. That's oh, a, man. Yeah, yeah. First, let me run up you real quick. Not only is this the last Big 12 team to lose to Kansas, it was also David Beatty's only Division One win on his record. We've done only one in three years. Yep. And everything, uh, you know, I, again, I, I don't quite remember what, probably a month or so ago now, everything had to go right for Kansas to win that night, and it did. And it's the, the flukiest win of all. Uh, well, maybe not of all, but it was a pretty fluky win. And, uh, I mean, you had how many, five or six fumble recoveries and an interception or two, and you had a career 55% field goal kicker make all of his kicks. And, 
like everything that had to go right went right for Kansas that night. And Texas was a nowhere team uh, with, you know, they had a nowhere coach going to no bowl game and they were, had no interest in going to Lawrence and playing a football game that night. And they got beat. And, and yeah, those guys are going to remember it. And I'm sure they're going to use it as motivation and we're going to lose 84 to nothing. Like it's not even going to be close. Uh, I, I just I don't expect anything even remotely competitive. Yeah, I'm not really expecting it to be very competitive at all either. I mean, I'm hoping that they can they can do something, but yeah, I, there's not really a lot of hope just given what they've done the last few weeks. Um, I mean, Texas is infinitely better than Baylor, and Baylor completely destroyed us in Lawrence, um, going on the road against the team, you know, it's, we, we can't even say that, well, Texas has a big match coming or, you know, a big game coming up next week. And so maybe they'll overlook us and we can kind of surprise them. There's absolutely no way that they're overlooking this game, just given what we did to them last year. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not yeah. expecting this to really be close. I'm not expecting, I wouldn't even be surprised if we don't get into Texas territory until the end of the four, like until, you know, the last five minutes of the game. Um, do, you think, do you think we can go, Okay, so there's, we've already had two – let me ask you a question. We've already had two games this year where we didn't cross midfield, right? Right. Iowa State and TCU. Right. So with Texas, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State left on the schedule, how many more times are we going to not cross midfield in a game this year? I think – It's a possibility. I mean, uh, I, I'm almost thinking, though, that it won't be any of them, only because we'll get to garbage time in the fourth quarter and we'll cross midfields. I won't, you know, I won't say we'll necessarily score, but I'm thinking at some point we'll cross midfield. Or, you know, I could potentially see late in the game where we'll just get a, a random turnover out of nowhere where nobody really cares and we'll start <laughs> in, you know, across midfield instead of actually crossing over from our own territory. So you're saying we'll cross midfield that it'll be a fluke. I, I could see that happening in two of those games. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, just the way that the season has gone and the fact, I mean, we do have some talented guys still on the defense. And so if anything, you know, if we're going to get any flukes that are good in our, in our direction, it's probably going to come from the defense. Um, you know, I, I even would be tempted to say that potentially against Texas, we could score a touchdown without crossing midfield. And that being because we either – somehow miraculously return one on special teams or the defense gets a turnover and turns it into a touchdown. Um, I would actually think that that's more likely uh, than us scoring an offensive touchdown in any of the next three games we have. Because those defenses that we're facing are all, you know, top, top of the Big 12 defenses, um, at least top half. And our offense has just been so anemic. I just don't see any way that, that we're going to be able to put anything up. So. Well, I wonder how well-ranked Oklahoma and Oklahoma State's defenses are after the game they just played against each other. But, and that, and, and that's, that's true. That, um, there was over 1,000 yards of offense in that game. Well, I mean, it was crazy. So, and, But I'm sure, I'm sure they're still ranked up there like on a per-game basis, but that was just ridiculous. Yeah, that was, that was pretty ridiculous. But, I mean, right, you also have to think about how good those two offenses are, though. So it's not well, that's like, true. And, and we're not going to do that. Like, Yeah, we're not going to – we're not going to score 48 points on Oklahoma or whatever. They score not going to happen. Yeah, and I think you know that's my biggest my biggest beef with the way that they do this, the the stats and ranking the different teams and things like that. It's just that you know they don't take into account, uh, and then that and that's what I like about the way that a lot of uh, like the advanced stats are doing it. So like if if you're looking at the NCAA and what they typically will talk about on broadcast, they're like, oh well, this is you know the uh, the number five defense in the nation. Well, it's because they don't give up a lot of yards, but you know they could potentially give up a lot of points. Or, or you know this, or even more likely is, oh well, well this team is ranked you know number two hundred and fifty in the nation. Well, yeah, it's because you know they gave up a whole bunch of yards, but they got a ton of turnovers in the red zone. So it, they could still have a really good defense, but look bad because they they look at the total number of yards as opposed to like scoring efficiency or things like that. So. Um, yeah. Here, let me yeah, I just checked. There was actually over 1,400 yards, not 1,000. 1,400 yards of offense. Oh, that is crazy. 14. Uh, well, what, what was the ending score? Like 65 to 55 or something? Or was 60, it even more? 62-52. Oklahoma had 785 total yards by itself. 
and Oklahoma State at 661. And the funny thing is that it seems like Oklahoma has one of those games every year. If, if I remember right, last year they had a similar game against Texas Tech. Or Texas Tech, the, the Texas Tech quarterback, I think, went for almost 800 yards or something like Or the Texas Tech offense, I think, almost went for 800 yards. And they still lost. <laughs> I mean, they, Oklahoma seems to have one of those games every year where their defense just all of a sudden disappears. And, and I mean, yeah. usually they're facing a really good offense when that happens. So it's not like it's, you know, completely ridiculous that they do it. But Oklahoma seems to have their share of that more than most people. Um, I'm trying to get to the, to the rankings right now. And so Oklahoma State has the number 78 ranked defense, again, by total yards. Um, they allow, on average, 405.6 yards a game. Right, but we, we were talking in conference, where they're both in the top half of the conference. Oh, in conference, yeah. Well, I mean, even even looking at the conference games, or looking just at the conference, um, let me see, who's worse than them? So it's Oklahoma, and then, or I'm sorry, Oklahoma State, and then Oklahoma, and Kansas State is, is below Oklahoma. Uh, so they're at 422.6. I have to imagine that we're below them. Um, <laughs> let me see who else we've got. Here, it's probably going to be faster. Actually, we're at number 114 nationally and at 457.7 yards per game. Uh, Progress! Right, exactly. I don't, I don't <laughs> know what it was last year. I, yeah, I don't know. Texas Tech, though, is at 445.2. And okay, so they are in the bottom half. Um, uh, let's see. So it's Baylor is actually the worst defense in the league. Oh, um, and we scored nine points on there. Right, yeah. exactly. They have, they give up four hundred seventy nine point four yards a game. <laughs> and, and again, that's by that, not by. Well, let's see. Opponent touchdowns. So thirty six or thirty nine. They've given up thirty nine touchdowns to their opponent. Baylor has. We've given up fifty. So. We're doing better on yards, but think about that. We've given up um, 11 more touchdowns on the year than Baylor has. We've given up 11 more than Texas Tech has. They've given up 39 as well. So, uh, so yeah, so, so Oklahoma is the number six defense in the league if you go by yards, and Oklahoma State is the number five. So they're right there smack dab in the middle after they gave up a huge amount of yards in that last game that they had. So. Um, yeah, we, we face both of them. There's no way that we're really going to be able to do anything against them. So. Yeah. All right. Well, one final thought about, about football. Um, and actually, this is jumping back into recruiting. It was the, the news came out today that, uh, that the KU football program extended a, a scholarship offer to a JUCO, uh, a, a JUCO quarterback. He's a dual threat quarterback. His name is Victor Viramonte. He's from – he does not fit the prototype of the air raid quarterback because he is a run-first threat. He is coming out of California, uh, Riverside City College is where he's playing right now. He's rushed for 355 yards and four touchdowns and passed for 178 yards and three touchdowns. I'm not sure how many games that's in. Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. That's just in the last two games, actually. That's not on the ah. season. I was gonna say that's pretty. That seems pretty low for season numbers, but yeah, that's just the last <laughs> two games. Uh, so yeah, definitely a, a good talent. And you know, I, I think we've we've had this kind of discussion before. Um, you know, Stanley is kind of a, a quicker on his feet and able to make better, I think, decisions under pressure than a guy like Peyton Bender. But Peyton Bender is definitely has a better arm and 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 is better at the passing situation. It sounds like this that Viramontes here kind of has both of those abilities where he can, he can scramble, um, but he can also go ahead and sling it around the field if he needs to. I, you know, we've had this discussion before. I, I think you and I have about that's the kind of quarterback that this team needs. They need someone who can throw it when they, you know, they basically that can run around and can get yards with his feet, but can then also kind of stop on a dime and throw it where he needs to throw it. Uh, you know, I haven't seen any tape from this guy or anything like that. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, any film from this man? That makes me sound old. Um, any film from this guy? So, you know, I'm not really sure how we would probably fit. But it, just looking at his stats and looking at what's been talked about, it sounds like um, a couple things here. First of all, uh, that you know, that they are looking at other options, um, which is good, meaning that maybe they are willing to kind of tailor the offense to something different than this this air raid 
offense that hasn't been working. And then two, that they recognize that the guys that they have are not necessarily the guys we want long-term. So maybe they are actually evaluating what's going on and looking for other options. Um, I really hope they get someone like him, even if it's not Viramonde here specifically, but that they can find someone that they can bring in. Unfortunately, we just can't seem to find a quarterback to save our lives. Um, you know, everyone, we got really excited about Bender coming in last year, um, thinking, you know, this is what we're going to need. And then the offensive line can't even give him any time to make any good throws. So I'm trying really hard not to get my hopes up for a guy like this. But, and even if he does come, it'll be really hard to get my hopes up again next year. Um, but, you know, there is that, that little part of me that hopes that this, this or something like this ends up being the answer and that we can find a way to make this work regardless of who, who the coach is next year. So, um, I know you probably haven't really read too much about this guy, but do you have any, any uh, thoughts about that real quick? I mean, I don't know that it's worth talking too much about just because all all there is is the offer. Like, it's not – and I don't know where the school's property, but it's not like he's, you know, verbal or anything like that. So, um, it is, I, I get your point. It is good that they're looking at other options. and Maybe they're looking at doing more of a spread option type offense or something next year. Uh, you know, to open up some more options, for lack of a better word. Uh, but uh, it, it's just, I mean, it's all speculation at this point, but I guess that's what podcasts are for, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's... Just a little bit more about Vermontas. He, he originally signed on with Cal a couple years ago. Uh, that's right. I remember saying that. And he redshirted his freshman year, decided to come back, um, or decided to go ahead and transfer and went down to the junior college route instead of, instead of sitting out another year, which was probably a good move since, you know, he's already redshirted. So it's not like yeah. you know, he was going to lose a season of, of eligibility. So um, only have two years of eligibility. Yeah. Right. So I'm looking at the list of his offers. Um, he has offers from Kansas, from Minnesota, from Coastal Carolina, Eastern Kentucky, New Mexico, and UNLV. So, um, of those, it's not bad. right? Of those, it looks like in terms, just in terms of you know Power Five and um, you know guys that I would or schools that I would immediately probably you know they have a better chance than KU. It would be Minnesota, and that's it. Um, I, I could see him going to any one of those other schools if he decides he really wants to go there. But just in terms of you know natural built-in advantages and kind of a no-brainer. I wouldn't question why he wants to go there. I would definitely have to say uh, that, that Minnesota, I would not be surprised. Now, what is interesting is I'm, I'm looking here on 247 Sports. Um, he only has one visit currently scheduled, and that is 2KU on December 9th. So uh, a month from now, he is going to be on campus, it looks like. Um, and so they will have an opportunity to go ahead and actually uh, recruit him pretty pretty heavily at that point so it'll be interesting to see how that how that turns out um so we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap up now though uh, i don't want to keep you too much longer uh so in terms of action coming this weekend uh obviously you know we've already talked about the ku volleyball uh matches that or match that we have against baylor um and then we also have obviously the football game against texas uh, coming to you, well, by the time you guys are listening to this, coming to you today on Friday, uh, we have Kansas going up against uh, it's Tennessee State. Uh, that's going to be an 8 o'clock tip on Friday evening. So then, yeah, so then we have uh, women's volleyball is hosting tw number 24 Baylor on Saturday at noon. And then later that evening, the football team travels to Austin at 5 p.m. Jayhawk time on Saturday. That is on the Longhorn Network or the Jayhawks, uh, you know, that Jayhawk television. So unless, unless you've got the good cable for it, you probably aren't going to get to watch it. I don't know that I would be too upset if I wasn't one of the people that was able to watch it. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go out of my way to try and catch it this weekend. Uh, I'll tell you right. that. To be honest, I'm not even sure. You know, I think I've seen every other game just because, uh, like I've said before, the, the – uh, local sports station that you know is owned by the baltimore orioles decides that they like to show big 12 football and kansas usually falls to that so somehow i've gotten to see every game this year whether i really want to or not because i got kids <laughs> that just love to watch any kind of ku sports that they can so 
but so then on Sunday we have uh, women's basketball uh, open up, opening uh, opening up their season against Campbell. And then next Tuesday, uh, that's actually when uh, the next episode of the podcast will be posting. I am going to try to get that one up earlier in the day um, so that we can have, you know, talk about the, the, the game that's coming up that night. Uh, but the, the Champions Classic, KU will be playing against Kentucky. Um, that's always a good, a good matchup to watch. I don't even remember where it is this year. Um, but Chicago this year? I don't know either. I don't. I'm just guessing. I think it might be. I, I, yeah, it's not really that important. I'm sure we'll we'll talk about it the next time. So, um, but yeah, so they'll play Kentucky in the Champions Classic. Uh, so that will be the next big thing for us to talk about. Um, so we will we will do that. Actually, you're right. It it is in Chicago. I just looked it up real quick. So, uh, if I was still in the Midwest, I might actually try to get up there. But I'm nowhere near there now, so I'm not even going to think about it. Instead, I'll just enjoy it on TV and then go to bed at hopefully a decent time. Uh, actually, yes. <laughs> Because it, nope, never mind. Because once again, we are the late game. I don't know why that keeps happening. Um, <laughs> I was I was really hoping that you know one of these years we would end up being the early game. But then again, you know, I guess that kind of says something. The fact usually the late game is the one that they want to put on um, because it's going to draw the most eyes, um, especially here in the in the Eastern time zone for some reason. I guess everybody likes to stay up late for basketball. All right, but anyway, that's enough rambling for me. So, uh, any 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 final thoughts before we uh, finish up for the night? Uh, no, I think you got everything covered. All right, sounds good. Well, then, thank you for joining me again, Mike, um, and thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will catch you next time. Uh, again, we will have another episode for you on Tuesday. Hopefully, we'll be wrapping up some some sort of good news from the football team, even if it's you know, hey, we. Managed to score an offensive touchdown before we look totally incompetent. I would even take that at this point. So, right, um, yeah, that, there, there's your progress. <laughs> right, progress. Woo-hoo, we scored a touchdown. So, all right, well, um, so yeah, definitely join us for that next one. Um, we'll have that. We'll have volleyball to talk about. Probably we'll have basketball to talk about. Real live basketball action to talk about. Um, and we, we definitely will be pre- previewing that KU Kentucky matchup. Um, you know, that's definitely going to be the biggest event, I think, of the, of the month, um, as it usually is. So make sure you join us next time on the Rock Chalk Talk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.